for me, the the problem with being the only one doing the podcast is it's in for me. I, I don't know if it'd be this way for everybody. It's difficult to to keep coming up with stuff, and it's bad enough as a writer when you're stuck with the blank page and you're trying to come up with what happens next. Why would you torture yourself and do that again and have to do it on a podcast too? Welcome to The Author Biz, the show that's all about the business of being an author. I'm your host, Stephen Campbell, and this is episode number 48. Wherever you are, however you listen, thanks for spending some of your time with me today. Today's show is something a little different. We're recapping an experiment that started six or seven weeks ago. Uh, my guest is the New York Times bestselling author of the Vanessa Michael Monroe series, Taylor Stevens. And I convinced Taylor to do a podcast of her own uh, the six weeks leading up to the release of her new book, The Mask, which is actually coming out tomorrow. And we'll be talking about The Mask a little bit during the show as well. But primarily, we're talking about the process of putting Taylor's show together. She and I did the show together for six episodes. We're, we'll explain the process of how it all came together, how we planned for it, recorded it, how much time it took, um, all of the details, including uh, selecting the music for it and things like that. I have my own thoughts on how it was all put together. Taylor shares some thoughts that were a little different than mine on some of the advantages and disadvantages of doing the podcast. Um, But I I think you'll get a real sense of what we went through and what was accomplished by doing the podcast. And we specifically did it as a lead up and the launch tool for, for the new book. So Obviously, since the book is coming out tomorrow, we have no idea whether it's uh, actually sold any books or not, but we do have an idea that it helped to deepen the relationship that uh, she has with her readers, and we hope it found her some new readers as well. So it's going to be an interesting episode. We wrap up the podcast bit and then get into uh, maybe 10 minutes on the importance of an email list, Uh, not only to tailor the way she sees it as a traditionally published author. uh, We talk a bit about some of the benefits and the unique things that uh, self-published authors can do and really the importance of having a vibrant email list as an author. So that's it for the intro. Let's get on with the interview. This is Taylor Stevens. I'm the New York Times bestselling author of the Vanessa Michael Monroe series. Hey, Taylor, and, Taylor. Yeah? We're not recording your show. We're recording mine. Oh, okay. This, Hi, this... I'm here with Steve Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're talking about your podcast, but we're not recording your podcast. So tell, tell listeners what we've been doing for the last uh, about two hours. Two hours. We have been recording podcasts for the, well, there's a running gag, whether it's called the Taylor Stevens Show, which is how iTunes has it listed, or whether it's the unnamed podcast, which I prefer because it's less pretentious that way. And um, it's, yeah, we've just been talking about all kinds of stuff that uh, our listeners have asked or um, that we think people would like to know about. And it's been really fun. So, and that's what we're going to talk about in this episode of The Author Biz. And this really is The Author Biz, Taylor. So, yes, I know. <laughs> um, but 
we started this podcast for you uh, a couple of months ago, and we did it as an experiment. So uh, the purpose of this show is to talk about uh, the experiment that we did, which was essentially we sort of committed to doing six weeks worth of episode of, of episodes leading up to the launch of your new book, The Mask. And we'll get into The Mask a little bit later in the show, but this was sort of a pre-book launch podcast to attract maybe a slightly different audience than you have, than, than the, just your readers. Right. And the way we did it, because you're busy, is that we recorded them all at one time. We recorded all six six episodes in, I think it took about three hours to do it. Um, There was some time involved in planning the episodes, some time involved in, I I honestly think. We say plan. We didn't script them out. We just kind of knew what kind of topics we wanted to discuss that day. Yes. And for example, they were, uh, there was one episode that talked about the book. There was one episode that talked about the research for the book. Uh, There was one episode that talked about your background and your trip to Japan to research for the book. Um, And and just things like that. We planned out these six things in a row all leading up to the launch of the book, which is actually, coincidentally, it is tomorrow because this episode is going to go live on the 29th of June and the book launch is June 30th for The Mask. Oh, look at you all timing and figuring it out all smart like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) that's the way we roll, as they say. Uh, So anyway, this was an experiment. And what you and I have just been doing for the last two hours is recording the next four. So you found the results of the experiment to be satisfactory enough to decide to continue it. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I don't know if it has brought new readers or not. I don't know if if I'm really just preaching to the choir, so to speak, and, mm-hmm. and engaging with people who've already read my books. I don't even know if there's a way to know that unless I start hearing from people who say, I discovered you from listening to your podcast. But regardless, the feedback that we've gotten has been outstanding, and so I want to keep doing it. All right. Now, let's, let's go all the way back to the beginning. And I kind of pitched you this idea. There's there's a story on your website, and I will link to it, the, the fairly accurate story about how you decided to do this. Um, you thought I was pitching you on just doing another interview, and you're like, sure, let's do it. And I'm like, no, no, no. I, want, I think you should do a podcast, and I gave you the reasons why. Right. But I did not ex- expect you to agree, and you did. So why? <laughs> because you have good ideas, Steve, and I've learned to listen to you is why. Um, and, and because I am naturally a cautious person and I, my, my natural inclination is to go, oh, maybe not. And I've learned that I should always counteract that with, sure, let's give it a try. All right. Now, I want to go all the way back to the beginning of the author biz. And uh, I I think this will be an interesting story, and it it might give a little bit of insight into some of the other things we're going to talk about. But I contacted you. You probably don't remember this. You and I had done an interview for a different show some time ago, and and that's a story for a different day. But it it was a fun interview. I enjoyed it. Uh, You enjoyed it. And then I contacted you again and said, I'm starting a new podcast. I have no audience. 
Uh, I have, there's absolutely nothing I can do that will help you sell your book because I have no audience. And will you come on? And you said yes, which I thought was crazy. Um, Why but, do you keep asking me questions you expect me to say no to? <laughs> <laughs> That's a test. <laughs> but but you agreed you agreed to do it and you gave me some reasons why you agreed to do it and then we had what I call Taylor Week. And I, I don't know if you remember Taylor Week when I told you about this, but my show was having a the same start that any podcast has. You have a few listeners. The first week you have a few more listeners. The next week you have a few more listeners. The next week, and it is the nature of podcasting and the subscription model. Uh, you encourage people to subscribe, and then it's additive for each week after that. And you gain more readers or more listeners over time. But uh, Taylor Week came, and I was on this slow, steady stair step up, and, you know, essentially like walking up the stairs one step at a time. And then it was like there was this giant that came and took me from the fourth <laughs> step all the way to the, the second floor. And I, I called that Taylor Week, and that was you promoting the show with your Facebook page and then sending it out to your email list, which almost blew up my server, which was That's absolutely so awesome. wonderful. Why can't I do that to my own stuff is the question. <laughs> That's because you're used to it. You're used to this stuff. <laughs> but anyway, we did that. Um, we, we began to talk a little bit more after that. And uh, you, you eventually you agreed to do this for whatever reason. And I do one thing I'll, I'll say about you. you. You are willing to experiment with things. Which you is, make it really easy to experiment. Um, maybe your listeners should know how bad I am about getting stuff done. Oh, I don't want to embarrass you. Uh, it's not <laughs> embarrassment. It's fact. <laughs> <laughs> I am really uh, somewhat of a technophobe. And um, I, I do a lot of juggling in real life, not literal juggling, but juggling between being a full-time parent, uh, being a sole income earner, uh, trying to juggle everything that goes into being dad and mom and, and, and single parent, it just, it's a lot of juggling and I have very limited amount of mental bandwidth. So when I have to stop and figure out some new technology or figure out how to get something to work online, I don't know anything about podcasting. I don't know anything about these things. And every hour that I have to take trying to figure it out means that it's an hour that I'm not working. And since the working is what puts food on the table. I just, I just don't have that mental bandwidth to spare. So, you know, you come along and you're like, yeah, I already got this figured out. I'll help you. I'm like, it's a lot easier to say yes to that than, yeah, this is a good idea. I should do it someday. And I've talked to a lot of people, a lot of authors who are considering podcasting. And for me, it, it is second nature because I've been doing it for a while. I know how to set it up. Um, it, it is simple enough and I made it incredibly easy for you because you always seem to get special treatment. I'm just so wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, essentially, in, in the, with the Taylor Stevens show, uh, you, you decided you didn't want to just do it solo because you didn't want to have a monologue podcast. You wanted someone to bounce things off of. And that's essentially my role in the show is I'm sort of the host where we come in and you introduce the show the way we did with this show in the beginning as a, as a gag. And 
and then we just get into the topic. And I've, I've typically prepared some questions or we've got some reader questions or something like that. And then we just bounce thoughts off each other. But I'm like, this is going to date me and you may not even know who I'm talking about, but you're like Johnny Carson and I'm Ed McMahon. And so I, I think I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit here, though, because um, you you really maybe it's just second nature for you because you've been doing this for so long, but you don't just show up unprepared. You know, you've thought about stuff and you have questions and, you know, you're ready to roll. And so that's why we can bounce stuff off each other so easy. Um, and And that's why it works so well. So I appreciate that you're saying that, you know, whatever it is you're saying, but well, give no, yourself the, more the, credit because you point, really do deserve it. The point is that I, I'm not trying to, to come across as, as though I deserve no credit. Uh, the point is that you're the star of the show. People listen because you're on the show. This is the unnamed Taylor pod, Taylor Stevens podcast. <laughs> and and it's, it's true. It's true. I mean, there are my readers and, and, you know, they they do come to hear me, although there have been people who said who've commented and said that, you know, they've also listened to your podcast and they're a big fan of yours, too. Um, it is true that they came to come to hear me. But if it wasn't for you, there wouldn't be anything for them to hear. Right now, let, let's talk about what we actually did to put this together, because there may be some people out there. I hope there are people out there that are thinking of doing something like this. Um even if it's just for a four-week or a six-week pre-launch kind of thing. So let's talk about what we did. And I, in my own mind, I've, I've got answers to these questions, uh, but I'm curious uh, about your mind, it, okay. it, about what was going on in your mind as we were coming up with topics, like the first six topics. How much time, actual clock time, did you spend thinking about it? Not a lot, because it really boiled down to what what are things that I either constantly get questions about or what are consistent themes that run through these stories that readers would be interested in hearing about? And then we pointed towards the launch. The whole idea was to build interest all along to the point where we could say, the book's being released next week, go buy it. Yeah, like to give to 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 spur interest to to raise like topics that people that that took place in the book, uh, in the mask, um, and how they tied into the series and such. But um, you know, even though our goal was to spur interest, it it wasn't to do it in a boring way. Like, it, what's the point if it's not going to be fun and entertaining along mm-hmm. the way? So we really, I think, we really tried to give good value and make it even if somebody didn't want to buy the books or had no idea what these books were, that they'd still be entertained while they were listening. It's entertaining and it's educational because you, you've had a, some unique life experiences that you shared and people who are familiar with you uh, are, probably know the story. I'll, I'll briefly go over the, the most interesting uh, tidbit of it, uh, tidbits, uh, that's that you were raised in a religious cult, and your formal education stopped in the sixth grade, and your first book uh, hit the New York Times bestseller list. And the first yeah. book was The Informationist, yeah. which is one of my all-time favorite books. And, uh, you know, it, it's a unique and interesting story, and, and some of that 
came out, some of the research that you'd done in Japan for the mask, uh, it's not just that you did some research. You went over there because you were over there as part of the cult when you were younger, out begging in the streets. And, and so it, it made for an interesting story. So you're right. We did provide a lot of value with this. But yeah. in terms of the, the actual amount of time that we spent prepping for it, I'm guessing that, that putting together those six episodes on your end was probably about an hour. Does that? Less. Hey, limited bandwidth, dude. All right. Okay. (laughs) So yeah, no, it it was, it was really a matter of figuring out what we wanted to talk about and, and coming up with some, some questions that people had asked before and then finding a way to answer them. And the hardest, the hardest thing we did in recording the first episodes was remembering uh, calls to action. And things like that. We'd, we'd get yeah. to the end and you'd say, oh, we, we forgot to do this. And then we'd or, just record it afterwards and stick it in. Or we'd get so into talking about something that we were talking about as far as the topic that we'd forget to say how, how that even pertains to the mask. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then we had to go back and say, oh, wait, well, you know, how it pertains to the mask in this particular case was... <laughs> So we we went through this process and we recorded the six episodes. And and so we've got an hour of your time, uh, less than an hour, but we'll call it an hour, um, coming up with the the topics for the six episodes and then three hours of recording time. And then I edited them one at a time, essentially like the two days before they were due to go live. But when the first episode was ready, I think the thing that took you the most time and it, it took more time than I would have expected for me was picking the intro music. Oh, my God. That was crazy. <laughs> yes. And it's not you, something that most people even think about. But, you know, you, no. you need to have music and it needs to set a tone. And you had this thing. You had this thing in your mind of, of the music that you listen to when you write, which is big, uh, heroic it's, it's music. epic music, right? Yeah. And it's not like I was thinking, oh, this has to be part of the show. But when you were asking me, well, what kind of music do you, should we do? I'm like, I don't know. And you're like, well, what kind of music do you listen to? I was like, oh, this stuff. And, and so at first we were trying to listen to clips for that, but it just sounded so self-important and pompous when you try and think of it as being part of a, hey, this is my podcast. And so that was right out. But it's cool music, and uh, I, I will link to it in writing. the show notes. It's it, it's really interesting, and it would have been fun to do. But you're right. At, at the end of it, I would have had to, had had to have had a much deeper, booming voice to, to create the <laughs> or to follow through with the self importance that we created with the music. So instead, I don't. know, We must have listened to, and we I were on Skype chatting hours. back and forth. Listen three to this hours. one. Listen to this one. Yeah. Listen to this. And it took forever. And then we finally narrowed it down to like three or four, and we finally found one, which I think is perfect. It fits really, really well. Yeah, it fits the tone. So are you going to play a clip of it? I'm going to play it right now. And that's it. That's that's sort of the beginning and ending music for the show. You you get a sense of the tone, like it's it's fun, it's entertaining, um, and and that's what we went for. So the music was perfect, but that took more time than anything else on yep. your end. And it's it's the type of thing too that you know, it's the I I don't know. This is me. It, it's those little things that 
you can't undo them once they're done. You can't go back and change it. Like you can always, you know, apologize for something that you said or do a retake or whatever. But once that music is there, it's like getting a URL <laughs> for your website. You know, once it's there, it's there and it's on business cards and it's being published around the web. You can't go back and undo it. So you kind of really want to get it right. And I think we did. I think we did too. All right. We're talking about this, and I obviously have a lot of experience with podcasting. You have no experience with podcasting. You are a great verbal communicator. So uh, it, it's really easy for us to go back and forth because I just keep teeing you up, basically. And, and then you talk for a while. So it's easy for us to do these shows. Uh, let's talk for a minute about how two other people might do it. Um, let's say you have a friend who's an author who has a friend, uh, maybe two authors, maybe could combine to do a, a a single podcast or a podcast for the two of them where they're talking about their books, but talking back and forth. Um, how hard do you think that would be? I think that as long as they had really good um, chemistry, uh, that and there wasn't anybody who really hogged the mic or tried to be the star of the show when the others weren't okay with that, that it would work really, really well. Um, I think for me, the, the problem with being the only one doing the podcast is it, in, for me, I, I don't know if it would be this way for everybody, it's difficult to, to keep coming up with stuff. And it's bad enough as a writer when you're stuck with the blank page and you're trying to come up with what happens next. Why would you torture yourself and do that again and have to do it on a podcast too? So when you have somebody that you can back and forth with, it sort of sparks your ideas and it, and it keeps the conversation flowing and it, and it keeps it fun and alive. And um, you kind of do see stuff like that similarly, not in podcasts, but there are multiple authors who share blogs. Right. Like there'll be a website and there'll be like seven authors who have that website and they will each take a turn blogging. And you that, you know, you could see that happening with a podcast too. Like this week it's going to be author so-and-so and this week it's going to be so-and-so or, you know, switched up and, and stuff that as long as, as, as people are thinking about it in advance of what the next thing is going to be so that it, it doesn't become a drudgery, I think it could be a lot of fun. And, and there are a number of benefits to doing a podcast. I've written about this, um, but but we'll talk about some of them. And I, I know I use this as a part of my pitch to to get you to consider this experiment. But one of one of the things that's so valuable is being in someone's ear every week, and it it creates a relationship. For you, you, you have a loyal reading audience. You have uh, a lot of them subscribe to your email list where you talk a lot about publishing information, and we'll get into that later because it's very valuable for authors, the information that you share. Um, but you communicate with them regularly, but it's not your voice. And so I think... That a lot of listeners who are very familiar with your work, they've read your books, they read your emails, and maybe they've even heard you interviewed, uh, they've never heard you like this before. This is true. Um, and it's an interesting thing for me because I'm not a podcast listener. So this is opening up a whole new side of interaction to me that I wasn't really aware of before. It's like, if you don't know that it's out there, then you don't know how important it is. And I'm still learning. Like I, I haven't really received a lot of email. Like I get a lot of emails from people who've read my books mm -hmm. or, um, who are on my mailing list. And that's, that's how I know that I'm having an impact. And I haven't actually gotten that yet. Well, I have some heard from some people about how much they enjoyed my podcast, mm -hmm. but I, oh, sorry, our podcast. Um, <laughs> See the way but, she is. 
<laughs> but I um, it's not to the extent yet. So I'm still I'm still learning. Um, you know, best practices and, and what works and whatnot. It's, it's, I'm, I'm still growing, I guess you could say, in, in understanding how big of a deal podcasting really is. And, and one of the things that I find interesting about podcasting is that it's a different kind of communication than writing a blog post or writing an email message. If you write a blog post, uh, it's easy to encourage someone to leave a comment. They're right there listening to it. But most people listen to podcasts on their phone. Yeah, or, or while they're or, driving. Or while they're driving or while they're, you know, whatever, Walking, running, whatever, exercising, yeah. doing the dishes, um, any of those things. And it's it's not natural to stop that and to leave a comment or to do something. And sometimes you feel like um, you're in a black hole, that, that you're just... Talking into the wind or something. Yeah, exactly. You're talking into the wind. And, uh, and then, you know, you get the occasional comment... But something happened uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I was not able to do a podcast. And I got more emails from not doing a podcast than I have ever had for any single podcast, which I found interesting. It's it's and most of it was like people who leave one star reviews at restaurants and stuff. Like you never hear from the people who are happy; you only hear from the people who are unhappy. Yes, exactly. And it's it it was mostly like, "Hey, is everything okay?" Which yeah, it made me feel great to uh, to hear that. And yeah, for people who listen to this podcast, you know that everything wasn't okay. But um, <laughs> you know, life 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 moves on. Um, but I, I found that interesting, and it is a different dynamic. When you send an I, email to an email list, it's easy to click reply and send it back, and that helps to cement the relationship. But most podcasts that I listen to, and I listen to a lot of them. Um, I never comment. I never contact uh, the creator of the podcast. I just listen. And uh, one thing that I really like about podcasting is that um, you can be yourself and you can be real mm -hmm. and people can hear your voice in the sense that they can hear your laughter. Like I do, which (laughs) I laugh a lot. Um, The, I, when you write something, if your words are not correct, it can be so easily misconstrued. Because there's no emotion, there's no, um, there's no tone of voice, and it's really easy. Like I've, I've said things in fun, uh, in humor in my emails before that have been taken the wrong way and offended people. And that's the last thing that I want. And I do try and be very careful about it, but it was just that one day where I didn't take as much time as I normally did to really think through everything that I was saying, mm-hmm. then I offend someone. And if somebody actually is going to write me and say, I'm offended. How many people didn't write me to say that they were offended? You know, like who knows how many people I offended. So the thing with podcasting is that you don't have that and it doesn't have to be perfect. And when you write something like a blog on the internet, it's out there forever and Mm. you, you can regret it and there's nothing you can do about it. Whereas podcasting is a little bit different because somebody actually has to click on the link and listen to what you have to say (laughs) for that record to be permanent. So you can kind of bury your shame a little bit easier (laughs) than with the, with a misappropriated blog post. I hope you're not saying that you have great shame about our podcast. No, no, not at all. But like, you know, if you ever think, oh man, that was really stupid. Why did I open my big mouth and say that? Um, the, the, the possibility of it coming back to haunt you is way less than if you do it in writing. And, and some of the best moments uh, for your show are things that, where it's kind of a, a screw up. 
you know, you'll start to say something and, and you'll just lose your train of thought and start laughing and then just you're off again. And and that's good stuff. You can't do that when you're writing. And the listener gets a real sense of who you are as an author. And I think yeah. I think that's really important. All right. I, couple, think it's cool. uh, I have some specific questions now. OK. Um, some of the things that I see as benefits to doing a podcast. Uh, one, we talked about the the voice in the ear. Um, number two is I think it's easier to create content this way. Um, I don't know how long you wrote a batch of essays, uh, a few months back. I don't know how much time you put into each one of those essays, but when you're writing, you're a professional writer, you want it to be as good as it can possibly be. So I, I suspect you're not just writing it and, you know, giving it a quick, a cursory glance and, and posting it. You're, you're actually going through and thinking about it and building a structure for the narrative and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that takes a certain amount of time as opposed to us being able to crank out six podcasts in three hours. Um, how, how would you compare the two? I would say that that's a very, very true. Um, part of it though, is that podcasting for me is fun. It's fun because I just get to hang out with you and chit chat. Um, If it was work, it would feel a lot longer and a lot harder. And generally speaking, for me to produce content in the written form is work. Even writing my own books is work. So, and, and that sense of because I work with the written word every day, I have a certain expectation of it being accurate, of it being good, of it being... So, yes, I will spend a lot of time working on the pieces that I work on. And, you know, it's possible that I'm not spending that much more time on them than I am with podcasting, but it sure feels like a lot more time because <laughs> it's not fun. This is fun. Okay. So uh, the, the third thing is access to a different audience. There are people who will listen to a 15, uh, we, we shoot for 15 or 20 minutes with, with your podcast. The author biz is normally around 45 minutes. It, if, if you, if I wrote something that took someone 45 minutes to read oh and it God. wasn't a, an entertaining story, no one would read it. You're right. Um, but people will listen to anything that's entertaining while they're doing something else, whether running, uh, walking, doing the dishes, driving, whatever, whatever it may be. They're willing to listen for an extended period of time. So you get access to a, a different audience. You also get access to a different search engine because iTunes is the largest search engine for podcasts. And there are a lot of people that go into iTunes and search for things that wouldn't find you unless you were in there, either as a guest or as a host. And see, this is all new to me because I don't have the time. I don't spend a lot of time in, in transit. And the times that I'm um, exercising, I have to, I'm listening to music to clear my head in order to um, work on story problems. So I don't have the time that most people have to listen to podcasts. And for me, I'd rather read something than, um, than listen to it. So this has all been new for me to, to reach beyond my own experience. I, I, I will say that when, when you and I first started talking, we were talking about the author biz and you said, this is a great idea. You should definitely do it. This is going to be awesome, but I'm never going to listen. <laughs> <laughs> just cracked up. I, I may have listened to one. <laughs> a 
because I don't have the time. Where am I going to fit it in? I know. I understand that. I know a lot of people are like that. and But a lot of people are like me, where I, I go and either walk or run every day. And I'm not trying to clear my head. I'm trying to learn something when I'm, when I'm out there doing that. And so I listen to typically business podcasts. And I, I, I find it incredibly engaging to do that. But I... I I will I would not have been spending the last eight hours uh, wrestling with a story problem either. So I, I'm in a completely different situation. Um, all right, I, I mentioned some benefits. I want to get into some drawbacks, but before I do, um, thank you for coming on. Let's uh, let's do the Taylor Stevens commercial for the mask. Tell us about the mask, and okay. uh, I, I will let people know that I, I think I mentioned this. The informationist is is one of my. Three favorite books of all time. I love Vanessa Michael Monroe, your protagonist in this series. I love all of the books. I I make no bones about it. You, you are my favorite living author. So it's it's a treat wow. for me whenever I get a chance to talk to you, whether it's your podcast or my podcast or chatting on Skype. It's always a treat for me. So uh, if if listeners out there have any respect for my opinion on books. If you like thrillers, go buy Taylor's books and uh, buy them all. You will love them. But The Mask is coming out tomorrow. Tell us about it. Well, first I have to say, wow, I am just like, wow, blown away, honored. Thank you. Um, Okay. Catching my breath here. The Mask is coming out tomorrow. Um, I guess if your listeners don't already know me or my books, I should first start off to say that if you like reading the Jack Reacher books, and you know who Lee Child is, and you like reading Jason Bourne, and you know who Robert Ludlum is, you will probably enjoy these thrillers as well. They are international, boots-on-the-ground, violent, gritty. Um, I guess, you know, I take the compliments when I can get them. I have a lot of male readers who write me and say, I don't normally read books by female (laughs) authors, but for you I make an exception. And I say... Thank you. I will take it. Thank you very much. So um, uh, I've heard that a big complaint from many male readers is that um, women, female um, thriller writers tend to over-feminize their men. There's too much internal feelings for the men. Men do and say things that men would never really do in real life. Um, Apparently, I have the opposite problem where my women (laughs) are too much like men. (laughs) So I have a a female protagonist who is a knife-wielding, ass-kicking, boots-on-the-ground, cultural assimilator information hunter. And these stories are a little bit different from normal thrillers in that they're not political, they're not... Somebody has a bomb and they're going to blow up the world. They're very um, personal in the sense that it's usually a small story on a global scale that involves individual people in very bad situations. And uh, it's really, I, I consider them high-octane character studies, but they they go very deep into cultural and in the environment of the stories. So The Mask, which comes out... Sorry, Steve, I'm hogging all your time here. (laughs) The Mask, which comes out um, tomorrow, takes place in Japan. And it's it's 
all of the books in the series are a little bit different. This one uh, is different again in that normally they take us into third world countries, or I should say politically correctly developing countries. And um, this one takes place in a very advanced society. And so we get to see a different side of this character and she's not running through the jungle or, um, you know, walking the back alley streets of, of some red light district in somewhere. She's, um, She's in corporate environment, and um, and so we get to see a different side of her and how she deals with the, the very staid and um, not always upfront culture inside Japan. So um, it's it's a good romp, I think. I think the readers are really going to have fun with it. It is, and one of the things that I like most about your books, other than the stories, which are always engaging, is that I learned something about these different cultures. Um, the first book took place in Equatorial Guinea, a, a, a location I probably couldn't even have pronounced uh, <laughs> back then. Uh, this one's in Japan. They are all over the place, and as you said, boots on the ground, but there were a lot of really specific, fun little tidbits about Japan that we covered in one of our podcast episodes. So yeah. uh, anyone who's listening to this, who's interested in how we did it, go back and listen to the first six episodes. Uh, See if you can tell whether we recorded them uh, sequentially. You will notice a difference between episode six and episode seven, because once Taylor decided she was going to continue, we got her a microphone. So it sounds a lot better. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, all right. Now we're going to go to the drawbacks for this. Um, we've, We've talked about that it's less time doing a podcast and it might be doing some other things, but it is time. You know, we are, it is 9.45 on June 23rd, 9.45 Eastern time. And we're recording this PM. Yes. uh, Because you didn't want to take time out of your workday to do this. And you didn't care at all about my schedule. And you Uh, said, That's not true. No, this this was when we could do it because it, it required such a block of time because it was it was two hours uh, to do the first four episodes for you and then we were going to do uh, this. So we knew we were going to need some time and the only way to do it was in the evening. So it does take some time. Everything you do to market yourself as an author takes some time. Everything has a cost opportunity to it. Everything. Yeah, it, it doesn't is, take a lot of time no to write a tweet. It doesn't take a lot of time to throw up a quick post on Facebook. But those things come and they go. But um, it also, it does take a lot of time to do that if that then sucks you into spending 30 minutes reading other people's tweets or Facebook posts. And we all know that you don't do that. Uh, right. I, I would, I would, I would fall for that, but uh, n- not not so much you. Um, so anyway, that's that's one drawback. Uh, the other thing, and this is something that I've noticed on your on your Facebook page, and this is for listeners. This is the way it is, and you probably know this from promoting your own stuff. When Taylor typically writes something on her page, there's a certain number of expected comments. And, you know, statistically, it's probably plus or minus 20 for an average. And I'm, you know, I'm speaking for you, but I, I tend to look at the things you put on your page and I can see what level of engagement you got. And the first time you posted about the podcast, you got a great deal of engagement. The next time you got a little bit less engagement. The next time a little bit less engagement. You know, there's there's the promotion fatigue aspect. Yeah. And when you're also promoting a book, that's a danger. Yeah. 
It, it is both ways. Um, unless you can find creative ways to promote the book, which this podcast is kind of an example of a creative way to promote yes. the book. <laughs> we hope. We hope, we hope. But yeah, it's, it's hard to get people to share um, the, the Facebook statuses and stuff. But I, I run into the same deal with um, trying to get people to aware that my mailing list exists. Um, they're just, I, sometimes I'm surprised at what people comment and share on and sometimes not. But when you've posted the same thing more than two or three times, people just tend to ignore it, I think. But you never know if somebody saw it the last time. So you kind of have to still keep doing it and hope that you're not annoying other people. And it's interesting. You posted something. We decided we'd do a Q and a, um, which is an easy idea for a show. If, if you're out there thinking about doing this and, and you're going to do a weekly or even an every other week, the, the more often you can do a Q and a and get questions from your readers, the better, because that's a really simple show, but you put a call out for questions. And I sort of expected that you might get, 30 or 40 responses, and you maybe got seven. But you have to understand, too, that many of the people who are on my Facebook page are also on my mailing list. And so I feel from the questions that we got, those were people who are either not on my mailing list or who haven't been on it very long. So that's why they have questions. Some of the questions that they're asking are questions that I've answered, and other people already know the answers to. So... Um, that I think that's one of the reasons why. I think the other reason, too, is that maybe people don't want to feel stupid. And the third reason, possibly, is that sometimes you just don't know what you want to know. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and sometimes, once, once the questions started, then, then there were more. But it took a little while to get the first question. Yeah, it did. And I think also, like, um, it's quite possible that a lot of my Facebook uh and I use Facebook more than Twitter because I, f I find that I get a much higher rate of response on Facebook. Um, but there, we could just say social media, and it's the same thing, Twitter, whatever. Um, I think that there are others out there who are like me who just don't understand podcasting. And so no matter how many times I post that link about the podcast, they're going to say podcast and that's it. They're done. They stop right there. Um, there was somebody today who, who commented and said, oh, I'm really interested in listening, but I'm technically challenged. But the thing is, is if they had just followed that link, they would have seen how easy it is to listen because all you have to do is click play. And of course, you know, once I told them and explained it to them, it was all very simple. But how many people are out there who just completely overlook the idea of podcasts because they just don't understand how it works? I'm going to tell you a quick podcasting story, and for listeners out there, you probably already know this, especially if you're on iTunes, but I found this fascinating. I had dinner with a friend last night, and he told me this story, so I did not unearth this on my own. There's a comedian, I can't remember his name, out in California who has a podcast titled WTF, and you can imagine okay. what, that, what that stands for. And Is that the one that Obama showed up on? Yes, and uh, it's very popular, and the White House called him. Uh, six months ago or so, and they said, we'd like to be on the podcast. And, you know, the guy essentially said, like, yeah, right, and hung up. And uh, they, they finally convinced him that they would like to be on the podcast, and then he was nervous about, well, I've got to go to the White House, I've got to buy a ticket, I've got to do all this stuff. And I was like, no, 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 you record these podcasts in your garage, we want to come to Los Angeles and sit in your garage and record this podcast. So when the president 
is going on podcasts because it's a way for him to reach an audience that he might not be able to reach any other way. I mean, podcasting is becoming incredibly mainstream. Yeah, I, I, that's an awesome story. And I haven't listened to it yet because it's an hour and a half and um, I just haven't had a chance. But I did subscribe and I'll probably listen to it tomorrow when I'm hopefully running. Um, It's been a little bit of a problem, the uh, running slash walking. There's way too much walking and not nearly enough running. Um, (laughs) But there we we have it. All right, let's talk about your your mailing list Um, because that's – at the end of the Taylor Stevens show, it's kind of a running joke now that we – and you'll notice this beginning with episode seven where we – we have a call to action, and it's different every week. Rather than the usual call to action that you hear in this show, please go and subscribe and leave us a rating and review, blah, blah, blah. Everyone does that in podcasts. So we decided we'd do something different. Um, so the call to action for this show is going to be, if you're the least bit interested in publishing and the business of publishing, go and subscribe to Taylor's email list because it is fascinating. She's, she's written a lot of, a lot of great stuff about publishing, her journey, uh, the business of publishing, a lot of what I learned early on about the business of publishing and a lot of what got me interested in doing this podcast came from Taylor's email list and just reading those things and going, hmm, I want to learn more about this. And then I'd start digging in. And, uh, you know, publishing is just such a fascinating business and the way it's changing so quickly uh, but it's a great way to learn. So go to Taylor's website, which is www. You don't Taylor actually have to do the www. Stevens <laughs> with an S, books with an S dot com. Uh, you might not have to do the www, but you better put the books on there because otherwise you're going to get busty, Taylor Stevens, <laughs> and um, that's not safe for work. I've had people actually say, "Hey, thanks for the tip." Um, <laughs> And uh, on that website, there is a connect with me uh, button up on the right hand corner. And if you click that, there's a tiny little web form. It'll get you started. Um, if you don't ever get the sign, the confirmation link, sometimes, you know, we have trouble with email uh, service providers sometimes. So, you know, if you're interested and you don't ever get that, just contact me, write me directly. I'll interact with you and walk you through it and um, try not to pull out my hair at this stupid email service. Um, so yeah, that's how to do it. That's an interesting last point. And let's, let's get into this only because it's interesting and I may wind up cutting this out, but uh, you mentioned, uh, your email service provider and and we're not going to mention who they are. I use MailChimp. Other people use other things and they all have their own unique quirks. There really isn't, I don't think, I don't think there's a perfect email provider. You, you, you use yours uh, in in sort of an unusual way because of the scheduled email messages that go out. Um, but the, the important thing and something that, that I preach all the time on this show, and I never miss the opportunity to preach it again, is the importance of the email list. And it's something that Taylor believes in very strongly as well. And she protects her list like gold and, and and that's why I get so mad when they screw things up where people just get dropped and they never hear from me again. And then I, the custom, then the customer service people are like, well, we don't know what happened. And, um, you know, every single person that I'm con- connected with is important. And so how dare they? <laughs> so, yeah. And it, it, 
I talk to people every week who who are authors who are building their author business, and I go to their website, and there's no way to subscribe to an email list, and it just kills me. And, and I will contact them and say, "Wow, you know, I've I've talked to author after author after author, and they they all say I wish I'd started my email list." sooner, you really should start your email list. And they'll say, well, you know, I've got one. And you just have to go to this page that's buried in three levels down here, and and then you can subscribe. Uh, what you've done, Taylor, is you've got a big link up at the top right-hand corner, which is where these things should go. Uh, connect with me or sign up for my email list and or then whatever. And I also have it show up on every, like when somebody goes to the website, it will pop up. And, you know, I don't really like pop-ups that much myself, but when that pop-up isn't there, I get far less people subscribing to the email list than when it is there. And I also put a, a modified version of it at the bottom of every blog or essay that I put on my page because it is the most important reason for my website is for people to know who I am and know how to get in contact with me and there's so much more in email. And, you know, I think, Steve, when I when you tell me about all these authors that don't really utilize their email list, it, it's easy for me from the position that I'm in to just roll my eyes and go, man, if they only knew. But at the same time, that's how I was about podcasting, too, you know? Mm -hmm. So when, when people feel like it's beyond them and they're going to have to figure it out, and I never would have done it to begin with, the, the email list, if somebody hadn't pushed me into it, because it was one more thing that I had to figure out, and somebody figured it out for me, and then it was easy. So I have a lot of sympathy for them, too, and... Um, but it, but it is so just so important, and it's really once you get the hang of it, it is not that complicated. No, it's not complicated at all. And if anybody out there is thinking of doing it and you can't figure it out, I was on Facebook with a friend earlier. I'm going to help him set his up on Friday. If this is so important, just let me know. Send me a Facebook message or send me an email, and I will help you set it up. It's it's really easy, and it's critical. Um, Taylor is a traditionally published author. She sees it as, as critical. Self-published authors probably see it as more critical, but no matter where you are on the publishing spectrum, you need to own the relationship with the reader as, as much as you can. And Taylor, one last thing. Um, one thing that you do that's not everybody does is that whenever you do an in-person event, you collect email addresses. Yes, I have a sign-up sheet, and um, I've, I've tried different things in order to um, encourage people to sign up. Um, I have found that the number one way that works for me to pass around a sign-up sheet is to raffle off something. And then I tell people, you know, if you're just signing up to get this free raffle, that's fine. You can unsubscribe. Please don't click spam. There'll be an unsubscribe button. And then I will manually, I have a little note on the bottom of my sign-up sheet saying that they're giving me permission to add them to the list. Because um, I find that if I add people to the list, they are much more likely to stay then if I just wait for them, like before I would send them an email and say, thank you so much for, you know, trusting me with your email address. Here's the link for how you can get subscribed. And for so many people, that is just way too many steps. So now I just add people manually and um, make sure I have their permission first, of course. And I keep a record of every single permission too, because just in case it ever comes back at me, I'm not spamming them. And, and then I leave it up to them to unsubscribe. And you add a lot of people when you do this. It's, uh, you know, as opposed to the normal, you know, you get a certain number each week. When you go and do an event, your, your signups jump up, right? Yes, they do. And, of course, it depends on how many people, act, how many people are at the event and how many people decide to, to hand over their email addresses. Um, I find that it's a very cluttered 
world out there and people have limited time. And so everything you can do to make it easier for them to find you, easier to to help them out and get on that list, make it easy for them to get off too, so that it's not, you're not, they're not cursing you. Um, you know, I, I don't, like a lot of authors who are self-published, they can give away things to encourage people to sign up on their email lists. And I'm currently not in that position. So I kind of have to find other creative ways to encourage people to give me a try. And then I really try and make sure that my, the emails that I send out are valuable. Um, they're not valuable to everybody, obviously, you know, people unsubscribe, but I have a very high open rate for the people who do stick around. You have a shockingly high open rate. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I feel like I kind of want people to unsubscribe if they're not happy. So, you know, I encourage it uh, because, you know, I'm paying for every single person who's on that list. So let's make them people who want to be there and who don't feel stuck there. Okay, so we've been talking with Taylor Stevens. Her new book, The Mask, is coming out tomorrow. It is fabulous. If you like thrillers, check it out. I, I know you're going to enjoy it. I, I, I think you'll enjoy the entire series. Uh, Taylor, one last time, your website. W, no, not the WW. Okay, taylorstevensbooks.com <laughs> will get you there. All right. And uh, if, if you're interested in checking out the podcast we did as an example for something that you might be able to do on your own, it's called The Taylor Stevens Show. You can just go to iTunes and check it out. Uh, you'll find it on Taylor's website. It's also on the crimefiction.fm website. Uh, so a lot of ways to find it. it it's a short podcast. It's, it's probably an interesting, it would be interesting to listen to just to see what we did. And, uh, the, and now that you understand the process that we went through to, to put it all together, to see what the end product looks and, like. And you can hear the progression too, of how awkward it was at first and how slowly we got better and better and better at it, you know, and it's not perfect, but it's fun. <laughs> it is fun. Taylor, thanks so much for your time. You're so welcome. Well, that was fun, and I can't thank Taylor enough for coming on to the AuthorBiz podcast and helping us make sense of the experiment that was the Taylor Stevens Show. Actually, is the Taylor Stevens Show, because as you heard, we're still recording episodes for that. Uh, clearly, podcasting is not for everyone, and I can assure you that Taylor did not think podcasting was for her when we started this, but she was willing to try and willing to experiment, and she found that it was something that she really enjoyed. So there are some benefits there that you really can't get anywhere else. If there's one thing the ever-changing world of publishing is teaching us, it's that we need, we as authors need to do everything we can do to deepen our relationship with our readers. It's not something that should be outsourced to your publisher or to Amazon or to Facebook or to Twitter or to Pinterest. Obviously, we need all of those, especially Amazon, and they're all important, but they're not yours. And one of the reasons I started this show a year ago was to try and highlight the importance of building your own business assets, your website, your email list, and yes, maybe even your podcast. The single most important resource you have as an author is the relationship that you have with your readers. We can't outsource that to anyone else. We need to own it, build it, and nurture it. Hey, Thanks for listening to the AuthorBiz Podcast. I've enjoyed doing it for the past year, and I hope you've enjoyed listening. We actually started around the 1st of July last year, and we're coming up at the end of June, so it's been a full year. 
I feel like we've been able to bring you some good information over the course of the last year. If you're looking for more great insight into the business of being an author, I really do suggest you check out Taylor's email list at taylorstevensbooks.com and then just click on the connect with me button and subscribe. Just a ton of great information on her list and As you heard in the interview, it's something that I've been a part of for a year and a half or two years now, and it's it's one of the reasons why I started this podcast. I became fascinated by the author business. So again, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Am I supposed to say the Taylor Stevens Show? Yep. For serious? Yep. So just a normal opening. Normal open, and I'll interrupt you. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. Let her rip.